guys, welcome to Crime and Cassie and all things creepy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you are all well. Uh, today we are going to talk about an insane story with so many layers. We're going to be talking about the unsolved murder of Rachel Del Tondo. Until I watched an episode of 48 Hours on this case, I had barely heard anything else about it, uh, which is crazy because it is juicy. It's also obviously really heartbreaking on so many levels, but we'll get to that. This is a straight up Lifetime movie in the making. The details, the characters, it's bananas. I feel weirdly connected to this case. First of all, it takes place in the Pittsburgh area. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a Pittsburgher. So I heard about this case mostly through my local news stations. Secondly, Rachel was a teacher at PA Cyber Charter School. Um, I actually did some of my schooling through them through high school and actually got my diploma there. Rachel was a stunning 33-year-old teacher. She was a New Year's Eve baby born December 31st, 1984. Rachel is described as loving, caring, charismatic, and good-hearted. She loved kids. Her students loved her. She was known as that teacher that you could kind of go to and she looked out for her students and they always felt like they could really talk she to She lived her. in the town of Aliquippa, PA, which is in Beaver County in the Pittsburgh area. She was also, years prior, a substitute teacher at the Aliquippa School District for second and third grade. So just take a mental note of that. She comes from a tight-knit Italian family. She's still living at home with parents Joe and Lisa. So it's May 13th, 2018. Also happened to be Mother's Day. Rachel's been having a hard time lately, so she decides to go with her friend Lauren to get some ice cream. At the end of the night, Lauren drops Rachel back off at her parents' house and watches her walk around to the side of the house at the side door before driving away. At about 10.45, Rachel is shot multiple times at close range in her driveway and dies of her injuries. Now, to find out who may have done this, get ready for an actual game of Clue. That's my magnifying glass, if you can't tell. It is about to get messy, honey. So buckle yourselves in, put your elbow pads on. I don't know, bubble wrap yourselves. We're gonna reel it back a full decade. So it's 2008. Rachel is a substitute teacher at the Aliquippa School District. She teaches second and third grade and she's known as like the hot teacher, right? It's there that she meets Sheldon Jeter. She's never actually his teacher, but he and basically all the boys had a crush on her and they would flock to her. She only stays at the Aliquippa School District for about a year. And not long after that, she begins an on and off again relationship with childhood friend Frank. Frank is the son of a retired police officer and he's successful himself. He's even dubbed the Wolf of Aliquippa at one point. Rachel wants herself some commitment from your boy Frank. She wants to get married, wants to have some babies. She's giving deadlines. You know, she has her mom in her ear. Again, she comes from a very traditional family and has no plans of leaving her parents home until she's married. But Frank's like, I'm the wolf of Aliquippa. I can't be tied down. Finally, in June, 2015, they go on a trip to Paris where Frank finally pops the question. They start wedding planning and everybody's excited, but there's one problem. Frank wants a prenup. Now, initially, Rachel is totally on board to sign it. She tells her good friend, Jen, you know, I'll sign it. I don't want him thinking I want him just for his money. But Rachel's mom has other plans. In her words, I didn't want her to sign a prenup, any prenup. So in October, 2015, 
After just four months of being engaged, the wedding planning stops. Frank is doing Frank again, and he starts to pull away, and Rachel is becoming hurt and a little jealous. So now it's Super Bowl weekend 2016. Frank is at the Super Bowl witnessing Peyton Manning take home his final Super Bowl ring, but he's not alone. There were girls on that trip, and when Rachel finds out, she's pissed. Everything comes to a head Valentine's Day 2016, and finally, Rachel and Frank call off their engagement, and Rachel returns her ring to Frank. But despite no longer being engaged, Rachel and Frank are still on again, off again. But ever since that Super Bowl weekend, Frank says Rachel has been acting paranoid and saying she thinks people are out to get her, specifically referencing the Aliquippa Police Department. Turns out, Rachel has a secret, a secret that very few people know about. One of those few people is that good friend, Jen. And Rachel tells Jen she has a secret that Jen can never tell anybody. She tells her that during that Super Bowl weekend in February, there was an incident. She had recently reconnected with one of her former students, he had messaged her on Facebook saying that he just needed to talk to her. Now remember, Rachel is that super helpful teacher that is always there for her students and they always feel like they can go to her. Rachel tells Jen that they met in the parking lot of a Circle K gas station around 11, 12 o'clock at night. While they're there, two Aliquippa police officers approach them and Rachel explains he's a former student, everything is fine, they're just talking. So Jen asks Rachel point blank, did anything sexual happen? And were you guys doing drugs? Rachel says no, but Jen says in her gut, she knew Rachel was lying. 10 months later, it's December of 2016, and Frank is throwing himself a party. He does this every year. Rachel's there, Jen's there, Jen's boyfriend Matt is there. Good times. Just kidding, because shit is about to hit the fan. Jen and Rachel start arguing, and at one point it gets physical. Rachel hits Jen in the face and Jen is ready to retaliate with that secret. When Frank runs over to de-escalate the situation, Jen drops a bombshell. In her own words, yells, please ask her. Ask her what she was doing in the car with some kid at night. Rachel explains everything away that Jen is just lying and Jen and Matt are just spreading false rumors about her. And Frank believes her. And they try to move on from the situation and they stop speaking to Jen and Matt for about a year. But Frank is no fool. And eventually he has a nagging feeling that something just isn't adding up. And Frankie boy has connections. He goes straight to the Aliquippa PD and asks the assistant police chief Joe for the incident report. Typically, someone outside of the police department would have to submit a formal request to obtain that information, so initially, Joe says no. But according to Joe, Frank is tight with the actual police chief, so it's out of his hands. He has to give the report to Frank. For the record, the police chief denies this and says they did everything by the book, but regardless, Frank was able to view that report that same day. And when he reads it, shocked isn't even the word. Report states that on the night of February 6th, 2016, police approached a vehicle around roughly 2 a.m. So not 11, 12 a.m. as Rachel had told people. And that is tip of the iceberg, honey. And it was not a Circle K. They find the parked car in an abandoned lot of the old Aliquippa Hospital. The windows are steamed up 
and the passenger seat is fully reclined. There, they find Rachel and 17-year-old Sheldon Jeter, who she had met years prior when she was a substitute teacher at Aliquippa School District. Rachel basically tells the officers the same thing she told everybody else, that they're just talking, she's helping them out. She tells them, though, she does not want a police report because if Frank finds out, he will get angry. The officers don't press any charges and they don't even make a police report about it until about a year later in case anyone finds out. Hmm. Just to be clear, the age of consent in Pennsylvania is 16, regardless of how icky you or I find that, that is the law and nobody knows what happened. I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. Only the two people in the car know what happened. Frank is allowed to take home that police report and within days, Rachel's world implodes. Someone anonymously texted and emailed it to a ton of people, including the local media, the mayor, the local school board, and even Rachel's school. Frank denies this. He claims he showed it to a bunch of people though and someone else must have anonymously sent it out. Rachel is devastated and humiliated. She ends up getting suspended from her teaching job at PA Cyber. She's depressed. She feels like the world is turning on her and she eventually spends some time in psychiatric care. At this point, she is done with Frank for good. And so are her parents. They are furious with him. They know he sent it out or at the very least played a part in it. And they are adamant that their daughter did nothing wrong. She was just helping out a troubled former student. So Lisa, Rachel's mom, calls a tip line for the Beaver County Inn and they get in contact with John Paul. And Rachel starts to make some serious allegations. She says that Aliquippa is a town filled with corruption, that she has been cooperating with the organized crime unit for the state's attorney's office, as well as the Pennsylvania State Police. She says that she believes police have been following her. Most chillingly, she said that she had received death threats and that she wouldn't live to see the end of 2018. They believed Frank had something to do with it. Now, Frank completely denies this. He says it's ridiculous. He's not a police officer. He's not a city official. He's just a businessman. Well, Tony Soprano just worked in sanitation, Frank. It seems at one point there was an investigation into possible corruption with the city of Aliquippa, its police officers, and Frank's business dealings. I don't know how this works, but maybe it's possible that that allegation from Rachel caused them to do an investigation, but I mean, I don't know. And to be clear, Frank hasn't been charged in anything regarding this matter. So it's late 2017, early 2018, and Rachel's just trying to move on with her life. She starts dating a new guy. Who might this new guy be, you may be asking? Well, it's a man by the name of Rashawn. And who is Rashawn? Well, he's 31 years old and, oh yeah, he's Sheldon Jeter's half-brother. It's all very, very messy, but Rachel says, I feel safe with him. And she even refers to him as her protector. How does Sheldon feel about this? Well, according to Rachel's family, he is devastated. They say that he misconstrued Rachel's kindness for feelings for him. They claim that he showed up to their house drunk and was pounding on all the windows, but Sheldon's family has a different narrative. His uncle Michael says, quote, it didn't start in the car. They had a relationship going for quite some time. His family claims that although they didn't know exactly who it was, they knew that Sheldon had been seeing an older woman 
they say that she had bought Sheldon expensive jewelry for Christmas. And his Uncle Michael insists that, yeah, he was upset at first about finding out about Rachel and Rashawn, but he got over it quickly and was even seeing other girls. So after everything was leaked, most of Rachel's friends had turned their backs on her. So she starts hanging out with 17-year-old Lauren. Rachel's mom and even her therapist tell her it's probably not a good idea to be hanging out with a girl that's 17 years old, but Rachel says, I don't want to hurt her. Lauren, by the way, is the daughter of an Aliquippa police sergeant. Literally everyone in this story is connected to the Aliquippa police department. It's crazy. Anyway, Lauren says that Rachel was like family to her and that Rachel would always listen to her and help her fill out college resumes and they would drive around listening to music together, things like that. Now it's the night of May 13th, 2018. Lauren picks Rachel up from the house that she shares with her parents and they decide they're gonna go get ice cream at a place called Hank's. On the way there, they pass a car full of people and they notice someone familiar, Sheldon Jeter. Sheldon then messages Lauren on Facebook and is like, did I just pass you guys? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, well, what are you doing? And I guess at that point, Lauren just stopped responding to him. Lauren and Rachel then stop to grab another friend. It's 25-year-old Tyree Jeter. You heard that correctly. It is yet another half-brother of Sheldon Jeter. Sheldon then starts blowing up Tyree's phone. I'm gonna read the text exchange. So at 10.07 p.m., is y'all there already? At 10.15 p.m., I got left, huh? Five smiley face emojis. 10.19 p.m., who all you with? 10.30, Hank's closed. By the way, listening to Aaron Moriarty read this text exchange on 48 Hours was the funniest thing I've ever heard. It was adorable. By the end of the night, Rachel is shot dead in her driveway. Rachel's parents say they know immediately who killed their daughter. It was Sheldon Jeter. Within hours, police are at Sheldon's house collecting the clothes that he was supposedly wearing. They say that he's emotionless and gives them different clothes than what he was wearing. Now, Sheldon's attorney denies this. They say that he was just in shock and it's not his fault that they took the wrong pile of clothes. Sheldon and his family maintain his innocence and even Lauren, Rachel's friend, says that she doesn't think he's capable of murdering her friend. Even though the police don't have anything concrete to tie Sheldon to Rachel's murder, he lives under a cloud of suspicion. About a year later, he's found unconscious on the side of the road after being thrown from a vehicle. Police end up reviving him with Narcan, and when he finally comes to, he gets up, walks away, basically mother-effing them and flipping them off. His family says, that Sheldon's just trying to get his life together. He's working, he's going to church, when suddenly he is suspected in yet another murder. May 15th, 2020, almost two years to the day that Rachel had been murdered, Sheldon is with family friend Tyreek Pugh. Tyreek is 30 years old and has lived with Sheldon's family on and off for years and he and Sheldon have basically a brother-like relationship. Tyreek is beloved in Aliquippa. He's close with his family, and he was said to be like a father figure to his sister. So Sheldon, Tyreek, and Sheldon's uncle Michael are out that day getting, of all things, ice cream at Brewster's. At one point, it's alleged that Tyreek and Sheldon had gotten into an argument, but uncle Michael denies this. 
Just before midnight, Tyreek is found dead. He's been shot seven times. His driver's license lists Sheldon's family home as his address. When they get there, Sheldon says that he last saw Tyreek leaving the house to go to work. There's just one problem with that story. Surveillance footage from across the street show them leaving together. Within hours, they have Sheldon in an interrogation room. He denies everything and sticks to a story. While they're interviewing him, they end up getting a warrant to search his house and find a gun under his mattress. According to the state police crime lab, it's the gun that shot Tyreek Pugh. Gunpowder residue was also found on the steering wheel of the car that Sheldon was driving. I mean, this is some clear cut evidence. On May 17th, 2020, Sheldon Jeter is arrested for the murder of Tyreek Pugh. Allegedly, prosecutors try to offer Sheldon a deal on Tyreek's murder if he also admits to Rachel's murder but it never happens. Sheldon stands trial and on July 21st, 2021, he is convicted for the murder of Tyreek Pugh and is sentenced to life in prison. To date, no one has been charged in the death of Rachel Del Tondo, although a secret Pennsylvania grand jury has heard evidence regarding her death. The district attorney's office hasn't officially named a suspect or a person of interest, but certainly Sheldon has been the focus of a lot of their efforts. The district attorney confirmed Frank is in no way a suspect. They said, quote, we're pleased with the quality of evidence that we have, and we'll make an announcement when we believe that we can win a case to the criminal standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. That, friends, was a doozy. Hopefully, Rachel's family can get some kind of justice for her. If you have any information regarding the murder of Rachel Del Tondo, you can call the Beaver County Detective Bureau at 724-773-8569. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. This was Crime and Cassie and all things creepy. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at CrimeXCassie. And don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to like and subscribe. And you guys, we're still early on here. Reviews go a long way. Stay safe out there. Wear your SPF. And for God's sakes, never, ever go to get ice cream if you live in Aliquippa.